What to Know podcast explores best practices, innovation, and latest trends with industry experts with an eye toward helping you, the listener, stay ahead of the ever-changing marketing and communications landscape. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Strout, CMO of W2O and host of the What to Know podcast show. I am doing my first podcast today from an Airstream, and uh, I'll actually make a funny, cool analogy or a, a connection in just a minute. Uh, my guest today, Jeremiah Aoyang, is the first two-timer on the What to Know podcast, and Jeremiah is the uh, founder and CEO of Kaleido uh, Research, and he's done many other things, and um, you may know him from Crowd Company, you may know him from Forrester Research, Altimeter, um, Pod Tech, he's had uh, many lives. He and I met, I think we figured out like 10 or 11 years ago, so we've kind of grown up in the... I think it's like 50 years ago 50 years in tech ago, land. yes, exactly. We, we sort of grew up in the Web 2.0 and then the social media boom. Um, but the reason I have him here today, first of all, welcome, Jeremiah. Thank you. Great to be back. How many people get to say that? Not You're the first. And like I said, this is awesome that we're doing this in your uh, Airstream, uh, Thank you. which is your office. Uh, but we're talking about a very important topic today, and because we've had you on before, mm-hmm. one, we will link to your first um, interview that we did. I think it was uh, about a year and a half, almost two years ago, you keynoted at an internal event that we had called Build, and you had a lot of very smart uh, thoughts to share from that. This time, we're going to talk a lot about a report that you just have published yes. called Modern Wellbeing. Um, you particularly talk a lot about the tech startups ecosystem. Mm-hmm. We'll talk a little bit about the funding. We'll talk a little bit about sort of what people are spending on right now. And then maybe we'll look a little bit into the future and, and what's coming down the pipeline. Yes, absolutely. So let's take a look at our careers, joint careers. When the inter- internet emerged, it disintermediated brick buildings. People were able to use click and we see Amazon just dominating now, right? Just dominating. Next, we saw the social media era where people, consumers, citizens were are now empowered to share their information using simple technologies. Then we saw the sharing collaborative economy emerge. Right now, they're going IPO this year in 2019, the most valuable startup in the world, Uber, Airbnb, and Lyft, where people use simple technologies to get what they want from each other. So all three of those phases, easy to use, consumer technology has changed the commerce landscape. People get what they need from each other. Coincidentally, each of these movements, those three movements, birthed and grew in a recession. Here we are again, 2019, and I want to tell you about the next market that I see. So I, I've been tracking these trends, and we see modern well-being. The tech industry has moved into commerce, into media, into every aspect of our life, and now they're moving, quote, into our minds and our bodies and into our communities and spaces. And if this makes you a little bit uncomfortable, it should. Um, if this delights you a little bit, it should. It, it should make us feel a little bit uneasy knowing the history of the tech companies. So now we see these devices and sensors and AI and algorithms and big data and cloud services, they're now impacting our minds, software like Calm and Headspace, or our bodies with maybe microbiomes or or breath data or heart rate data with Apple Watch. There's communities where people can access on-demand classes or therapists on-demand, or the physical space around us, digital assistants, smart speakers, the redesign of our homes for better quality air, sound, or light. So tech companies are now all around us on the well-being side. Now, just to be clear, this is different than the health side, which was traditionally pharma, uh, doctors, hospitals, insurance. Um, well, that's my parents are in those careers. This is on the, the wellness side where people are 
doing these things on their own. So that's kind of a, a premise of where we've been and why this is the next trend, uh, Aaron. So I read an article recently that talked a little bit about the, this feels a little bit like it could be, you know, back at the beginning of the dot-com boom, right? And the author went on to make uh, a point that what does feel different is there is more there there, where I think back in the dot-com era, for those that don't remember that, this is early 2000s, where literally if you had any domain name, petfood.com, you had a business and you had investors just throwing money at you. I do feel like even though there are folks that are concerned we are headed into another recession, um, and there is a lot of money out there right now that is being put towards these, and we'll talk about how much in just a second, how does this feel different than, you know, those days and why does this sort of sustain, you know, maybe more so than obviously the dot com days did fine in the long run, but for the short term, you know, there were some issues not helped obviously by nine eleven, which also happened back in two thousand and one. Yeah, that's a good point. Each of these those three, four trends that we talked about have a lot of fluff and the startups die and, you know, like a Cambrian explosion, you know, this evolution, there's going to be lots of quote startups for species and then only the few strongest survive. And that'll happen here as well. There's a diagram that I published called modern well-being tech startups. And we showed 100 startups out of 500 we're tracking on a spreadsheet. Frankly, only 20 are going to matter. Uh, and this is normal. I did the same graphing and mapping for the sharing collaborative economy and only about 20 of them matter now, although we put about 100 logos on this honeycomb graphic. And that's normal. That's expected. And we want to see that variation in the market. It means we're exploring all the different use cases. Frankly, any human who uses all of these technologies at the same time to try to be well, wow, I think that could actually just make you sicker. <laughs> so, um Yes, they're not all going to last, but there are business models. They are generating revenue. Many of them have recurring subscription model business models, uh, and that's how most of them are working except for in the hardware space. Obviously, you purchase it once, and you may or may not use a monthly uh, subscription. With that said, in many cases, these companies are not profitable. They're just trying to get market adoption. So we'll, we'll see. How likely are they to do this on their own versus necessarily like going through a partner? I know, for instance, um, Fitbit has done some partnerships with some payer providers. They've actually created gamified programs where, you know, the more steps you take, obviously you get discounts and things like that. Do you see a lot of these folks going the route of the Uber and Airbnb or are they going to be more reliant on because it is even though I know you said this is this is not the you know, the healthcare system as much as it's the wellness system but there is definitely a crossover and oh, i know yeah. a lot of healthcare is trying to get into the health and wellness space more mm -hmm. because they would like to prevent a lot of these you know horrible diseases and conditions that people are experience that's a great point that's a great point so right now they're they feel separate but th they feel like separate markets but they're quickly overlapping for example any large company on this wellness map that I'm tracking, they're now doing clinical studies and they want to partner with the traditional healthcare system in, in order to prove that they are in, indeed valid and legitimate. Uh, and on the flip side, we see the traditional health company, care companies saying, yes, we need to go on, on, the, up, on the other side and, and check out on the preventative side. Uh, we, we recently interviewed 12 HR managers who run benefits and wellness programs to find out how they're using technology, and they're trying to reduce costs of the employees that are using the healthcare programs, and this is a way to do that. 
plus increased loyalty and engagement. In fact, I know your your own CEO, Jim, is very big on mindfulness. And so we can see this happening inside of all organizations. So they're crossing over. I'd say in a few years, there will not be a difference between these markets. It'll just be one market. But right now, uh, and, and certainly in the upcoming recession that's anticipated, then we will see people turning to these lower cost, lower cost alternatives when traditional institutions fail them, especially those that get laid off. Maybe their COBRA expires or they don't have healthcare coverage. They're going to turn to who they already trust, Amazon, Apple, Google, and these unicorn tech startups. By the way, I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying it's probably going to happen. So I'm looking at this beautiful visual, right? It's the... Um the I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's the, the Vitruvian person. Right yes, in the middle. right. The person with their mm-hmm. arms and legs, because technically we're proportionally built where if we were to draw a circle, you know, using our arms and legs, it would be a perfect circle um, surrounded by these uh, four quadrants. Let's talk a little bit about how you picked these quadrants. And by the way, it is worth noting that if you go to uh, Jeremiah's web strategist blog, which has been around for, I don't know, 15 years now. That's about right. Um, and I think you probably can also find this on uh, Kaleido. Yeah, um, you can Google website. search modern well-being tech startups. or. But talk a little bit about how you picked these four quadrants. Sure. Uh, the quadrants, well, traditionally people think of mind, body, and soul or mind, body, and spirit, but that's not going to be digitized anytime soon. Although there is a group working on that. We'll talk about that in a sec. It's pretty radical stuff. So mind, body, community, which the internet really enables. The internet is community. And then physical space, which is internet of home, internet of office, and all internet of car. All those things around us are becoming digitized. And we could clearly see the patterns. Um, we started with a list of 500 startups. Then we whittled them down based upon the following criteria. Market traction, like user adoption, funding, or maybe crowdfunding, media mentions, market presence, they may be listed on other lists, and their clarity and vision, like uh, do they have a bigger vision just beyond selling widgets? And so we were able to bring it down to 100 companies, and we, we tested it with some leaders in the space, and they gave us feedback, and that's how we came up with this list. We should probably link to it in the show notes. Now that makes sense, and we can absolutely do that. I guess one last question on that: um, Any of these companies that, and I'm I'm asking you this a bit off the cuff, so sure. no no prep for this, but any of them that really stuck out at you as like, oh my gosh, this company really seems like it's doing the right thing, or some folks that you know people should look at, and if yeah. not, then you know I won't put you on the spot. No, that's but. fine. We should talk about it. So in the in the mind space, let's pick a little bit from each of the categories. On the mind space, the mindfulness leaders are Calm and, and Headspace. Calm is now a billion-dollar unicorn, meaning a billion-dollar valuation, and I'm sure Headspace will follow suit. And they're selling to HR. Their, part, their clients include the NBA, um, so they're definitely spreading. On the body side, one of the interesting players is a startup out of Israel called Lumen, and it's, it is this prototyping now. It's a device you breathe into, and it looks at your microbiomes coming out of your stomach, and it, it is really measuring the amount of ketones in your breath to find out if you're actually losing fat, which is so important to many people. Weight is an issue. 60% of Americans are overweight. Their business model will be food services and diet. That's pretty radical, right, to think about that. So we can see that new type of startup emerge. 
On the on-demand space, um, we see on-demand physical therapists like Luna, run by my friend Chris Duggan, and there is you know Caring.com. There's just a number of every single type of service you can imagine or joining a community is based there. And then on the space side, let's talk about B2B. There's a company called Delos, D-E-L-O-S. They do wellness ratings for physical offices for workers. So is it a well-spaced? And they're they're related to the LEED certification group with sustainable buildings. So we can see that office spaces will take an important note on how well employees are being treated. So there's just a few there, but uh, we'll be tracking over time to see who's going to be the fast movers. Well, those are great. And thank you for sharing those examples. Um, I think related to that, one of the things that you included in your write-up on the Web Strategist site is the funding, right? And yes. I'm just looking at the breakdown here. And uh, I think in aggregate, it's about $2 billion. Correct. That and, includes Calm. And then you have some of the individual breakdowns, which um, I guess I'm not shocked to see community you know, at the top end of that. Um, it's interesting, the space, which is at $333 million, um, is is so low, especially given the fact that it could have such a dramatic impact. So I'm assuming that is one where we'll probably start to see a little more balance come into that. We we may. So um, just to be clear, this funding does not include the tech giants like Google and Amazon, Apple, because we just can't, we don't know and we can't break it out anyways. So it's basically these these funding startups that are probably angel seed A B perhaps. So over time this will grow. When I was tracking the collaborative economy, the the market cap funding was four I'm sorry, not market cap. The funding sum was four billion. Now it's over fifty billion. So this is very, very early on. Um so community, which is on-demand services, is mostly is definitely the most funded because there's recurring revenues from every transaction. Uh, next is the body space, which include many devices that, that those are expensive to manufacture, so they need funding. It's a riskier bet for VCs, and the mind space uh, is next. And then physical space around us, that is the emerging market. Um, some of the big movements in that space is Apple acquired a sleep device slash software AI company called Bedit. So we're seeing some moves there. But for the most part, uh, most of it's in the on-demand services and community. So you touched on another good one, and I know that it is, uh, one, it's, it's expensive, two, it's hard to get people to pick up another device, right? Like, I think and we yeah. saw a lot with the wearables, you know, tracking our steps and jogging and things like that. Apple made a big breakthrough in getting, you know, clinically approved for the heart rate Stanford, monitor. Stanford, yeah, right. Um, so that was a big deal. But yes. if you look at phones, smartphones, they're ubiquitous. And uh, Jim Weiss, who you mentioned earlier, our CEO, mm -hmm. and David Kirkpatrick spoke right. at uh, our conference at South by Southwest and really talked about this appification. You know, how much of this, you know, does move into the smartphone and do you see in this, particularly the body piece, you know, do the smartphones just keep adding sensors to them? versus companies going out with the standalone. And I know that wouldn't preclude, like, you're going to have smart fabric, right? And you're going to have other smart sensors. You're going to have digestibles, ingestibles, things like that, that clearly they'd connect to your phone, but wouldn't be your phone itself. But, you know, how much of it does the phone pick up from a sensor perspective versus individual devices? It's all going through the phone. So if there is a device that you put on your body, for example, Aura, O-U-R-A is a popular ring that you can wear for five days, mainly tracking sleep. That data is going to your phone. Uh, Spire, which tracks your breathing, Spire tags on your clothes, that's going through your phone. Um, any smart speaker in your house, which is also tracking some of your personal data and, and health and wellness data, that's also going to be connected to your phone. So the, the phone is really the, the device. And uh, yes. 
And so the idea is is that we will continue to see other sort of peripheral devices, but they will all center through the phone, and the phone yes. will be that neural system, which then you know collects the data, centralizes the data. I guess as a follow on to that, there's a you know a debate there, which is it's great to have all this data. It's not probably being used to the degree that it could be used. Right. Um, it would be nice to start to aggregate the data, use AI to make the data smarter. But there's that risk of people saying like, okay, well, who gets to see this? Is it Apple? Is it Cisco? That is, is the it, risk. You know, that Amazon? is the risk. Where does that sort of, you mm -hmm. know, where does that lie in your mind in terms of how that works out over the future? For example, you're exactly right. So the power is when the data is shared across a network and you can look on aggregate how people are sleeping or how their moods are changing or how they're feeling. For example, like some of the data hasn't really even fully been unleashed. We can actually get breathing data and find out if people have potential diseases or how stressed they are by how they're speaking just the recorded voice um, even at night there's a number of apps that can listen to noises in your bed and how you're breathing and sleeping just from the cell phone the mobile phone microphone you don't need another device so we haven't even fully unleashed the potential that these technologies have just in the phone itself let alone combine that data and that that's an opportunity to combine that but there are so many concerns, not just HIPAA or PIAA, but where is this information going to be spread? And do I really want these tech companies knowing about this? So I was looking at the Apple Health Kit, which is their SDK for aggregating any type of data. And they have just about every field. They even have sexual activity fields uh, and a number of other personal things that you can just Anything possible that you are doing as a human, they can import it. Do you really want them knowing? The level of trust with Apple tends to be higher than some other tech consumer companies like social networks or or search engines. So their business model is clear. You pay a lot for that device. But we don't really know what they're going to do with it. And we don't really know what those third-party apps are going to do with this data as well. So... Uh, when it's just, once it's think about it, Aaron, like we can aggregate the level of stress within a company or within a state or within a country. Uh, with, think about all the political unrest happening in some countries. Imagine you could actually measure the stress of that. That's, that could be used, that could be weaponized, right? You know, political espionage and people manipulating media could literally use that as a measuring tool to find out are they being effective in their propaganda against an enemy state i mean this is pretty sensitive data when it starts to collect our behaviors our minds our moods and and things that we can even predict yeah it's a crazy outcome and you could actually apply the same thing to companies with media and positive or negative what kind of results are they getting so that is a uh, truly brave new world piece if i could add on to that we yes. interviewed one startup called emotion lab and they have uh, a, a camera on any laptop or phone, and it looks at your face for over 100 micro expressions. So basically, you can't lie anymore in the near future, because people will know if you're lying because of the twitches in your eye or the creases around your eye, if it's an authentic smile or not, or, or, or how you actually feel. Marketers can use this information. Media producers can use this information to find out how you're reacting to products or to a doctor's visit or to your loved one. Do you really even love them anymore? The app may actually know before your loved one does. So it's there's a significant amount of information that really hasn't been unleashed. So it's crazy to think that level of technology and capability, yet I still get emails as a head of marketing. <laughs> Do you want to buy this database of people at a certain company? So... 
uh, talking about like the smartest on the spectrum to the not to so the smart on the not spectrum. Not so smart. I do want to ask one more follow up question on this. Yes. So one of the other things you all did, and, and we should give some love to Jessica Groupman, who Jessica uh, is one of your. I, I don't know. What she's her, my business partner. Business partner, and she's one of your lead uh, research yes. uh, partners. Um, you both came in and actually presented sort of the early phases of this to me, which is what piqued my interest. Mm. Um, but one of the things you have in the report is you pulled some um, data from registerednursing.org, and you talked about health spending age in the United States. So not a shocker. It starts off at about 2.7 thousand for folks under five. It dips and then slowly goes up all the way to 11.3 thousand for those that are 65 plus. So who are probably on a fixed income who are probably on a fixed income. But I guess my question is tying this first chart to this spending and the fact that obviously a lot of health and wellness apps are really focused on probably catching people more our age and younger. Yes. And if a lot of the money is getting spent at 65 plus, you know, is there room for this? And and are there some uh, maybe companies that are in this ecosystem that you've got the startup ecosystem that uh, should be thinking more about some wellness apps for folks that are in the 65 plus, considering the fact that that's where a lot of this money is getting spent. Sure. We, we've uh, spoken with AARP, who has produced an app on mental fitness. It's called Staying Sharp. It's pretty cool. Uh, it's like Lumosity, but a professional version with uh, medical grade and uh, psychologist approvals. And it's basically brain games and, and, and mental challenges and memory challenges to really help that mind be a muscle that stays fit. So that's an example of ARP moving into the digital realm uh, on this. There's, there's a number of other, you know, this is, this is actually kind of sad, but also happy. Uh, We found that young people, typically teens are more willing to speak to a chat or AI bot about their depression or online bullying or a breakup rather than a human person. Uh, There's little or no cost. It's 24 by seven and there's no judgment, no judgment, no social backlash, right? Or, or risks happening with that. And, And so there's a, startup listed on here called woe bot like my woes my problems under the mind space where people are using that as therapy and that's a, a less expensive version a therapist may cost what 100 bucks an hour versus these apps are free so let's take that eleven thousand dollars from somebody who's 65 and up what if they took just 10 percent of their of that spend on wellness for preventative for their their mood their fitness their body their nutrition uh, that would be a thousand dollars a month. You could get ten apps for ten dollars each, you know, or slash devices. There's actually that's way more than anybody should probably be using. And the direction that you can see Apple headed is they want to consolidate that into one thing over time. So yeah, you could see that could be um, a piece that they would want. Lastly, on Apple, not to overfocus on them, but Tim Cook, you know, you can see his message last month in March was the legacy of Apple will be health and they're moving into health and wellness and well-being and you can see this happening. So this is definitely the next trend. Well, this is fascinating stuff. Thank you for sharing that Thank with you. us. Thank you. And I do want to ask a couple of other following questions now. Shoot. Last interview, we did ask these. So I'm only going to focus on two. The first is book because I know you're an avid reader. I think last time you actually shared three really good books. Mm-hmm. Um, now that we fast forwarded, there was a book that we were talking about earlier that uh, you said you wanted to share, and then we'll revisit the uh, deserted island question. Sure. Uh, most of the books I'm reading now are around AI, which is related to this. Uh, almost all of these tech companies will become AI companies. So the if you haven't read a an AI book, the one I would recommend, and I use uh, 
audiobooks, by the way, is called Super Intelligence by Nick Bostrom. And he paints a number of scenarios, what happens when a super AI, which means a thousand times human potential. Um, by the way, we'll probably hit the singularity moment in 2040. So just in 21 years. And that means it's equivalent to human capability. So after that, it grows, continues to grow at exponential rate. So by 2050, we could see a super intelligence. And it's a sobering book, Aaron. It, it says, it, by that point, a very smart AI will play dumb so we don't turn it off. Oh, man. That's crazy. Right. I mean, doesn't that make sense? It does. So it can escape the server and then grow exponentially. All right. So that's called Super Intelligence. The other book I recommend that's related to this very specifically is called uh, Stealing Fire. And it's about how technologists and Navy SEALs are using these these technologies to improve the mind, which improve the body. And they're also experimenting with things like microdosing, which is a whole other topic. And they're trying to figure out how to help the brain move faster up Maslow's pyramid into at the highest levels, even beyond what Maslow's published into transcendence level. So it, it is certainly science fiction on where the mind can go. And so that's a fascinating book. So those two books really push your thinking, uh, superhuman, super intelligence and stealing fire. Well, thank you for sharing those. Um, we can add those to the three that Jeremiah shared last time. And then the last question, this is just to sort of wrap up on a fun note. And I think last time we picked a jazz album, but I do like to ask everyone if you're stuck on the proverbial deserted Island and you can only take one album with you, which would it be and why? And so without having referenced the last show, it would be good to just see, are you still on the same page or have you evolved uh, different rationale? I know mine changed fairly regularly, although the Beatles White Album comes up pretty regularly for me. Okay. Yeah, I did think about Beatles. But the other, the, the funny thing is, who thinks about albums anymore? <laughs> because we don't buy albums. It's just like a stream or individual songs collected on a, on a stream. So that just shows the digitization. Like if you ask a millennial their favorite album, they may not even have any concept. Although they're that. actually starting to make a comeback and they're one With of the LPs, fastest growing right. you know, medium. And my, both of my daughters, so almost 20 and almost 12, both have their own record players and they both have their collections now of LPs wow. that they listen to. That is fascinating. And so there is an element of the album making a comeback. So and that's kind of like this going back to, to the basics. Well, they, I, I, I am still an avid jazz uh, fan and former musician. So one of my first albums was J.J. Uh, Johnson, who is a trombone player, and he had an album called Standards, and it was uh, fundamental for me as a musician. So that's what I recommend. I love it. And I don't think that was the one you chose last time. So I now think you, I chose kind of blue by my I think you Davis. did. So I, now yeah. you can actually take two albums with you. You're the first yes. person that gets to take two. I am you. honored. Thank you. Yes. So anyway, this is Aaron Strout, CMO of W2O, host of the What's to Know podcast. And we've had the pleasure for the second time of talking to Jeremiah Aoyang, uh, who is the founder and CEO of Kaleido Insights. Uh, we talked a little bit today about their amazing report called Modern Wellbeing tech startups, but really speaking to this whole health and wellness space. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, everybody. Want more episodes of What to Know? We post a new episode every Thursday. Subscribe on iTunes, the podcast app, the Stitcher app, or Spotify, and view the podcast page at w2ogroup.com slash what to know.